Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. I remember messaging my sisters and I was like, why is this happening to me? I get COVID and then I give birth. Like, why is this happening? All the people who wasn't going out of the house. Why me? As in, that's really what I thought. Couldn't happen to us. Yeah, couldn't happen to us. Especially because I'm so scared of this virus. I'm doing everything I can to avoid it. It's hard to tell. It's not just that you never know, but I just want to be more careful. Like, it's not for me, but for for the the kids. Welcome to Sage Conversations, where we believe everyone has an innate light and power to heal. I'm Rowana. I'm Mara. And I'm Michiko. We have a combined background in wellness coaching, energy healing, movement, and sustainability, which we bring in to explore holistic, spiritual, and personal growth journeys with experts, amateurs, and friends. We hope these stories inspire you to foster your inner light and live your best life. Welcome to another episode of Sage Conversations. In this episode, we're going to talk about the coronavirus pandemic of 2020 that has changed the lives of so many of us, right? It's infected 200 million people and caused over 4 million deaths to date across over 200 countries and territories. Now, because of how widespread it's become just over a span of less than two years to date. And in one way or another, it's affected us. And here with us to share their experience thus far. And I, I really don't want to say anything about it because I would like for all of us to hear it directly from them. RJ and Yami Hali Hali have chronicled their COVID experience on social media. And so Amara and I are very honored to have us tonight to spread the message further on how it was like for their family and how they've healed or continue to heal as a family. Hey. Hello. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this episode. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Obviously, we're going to talk about your COVID experience. But before then, since a lot of our listeners don't know much about you, can we just provide them with the context of how your experience was like prior to the main story, I guess. Can you introduce your family and how was your living situation? Like when the pandemic hit, were you mostly working from home? Just give us a background or context to begin with. Okay. So I work corporate. When the pandemic hit, of course, everybody had to work from home because of the ECQ. That was like the strictest ECQ, right? But then eventually I had to go back to work. You know, first I had to go every day. And then after that, just a few days a week. We used to live with my family. So my parents, my siblings, my nieces, my nephews. Now we just recently moved. So when I still had to go to work and the cases kept rising, that was sort of a dark time in our lives because I wouldn't talk to him for weeks and I couldn't sleep. Just something very personal. I had to like drink lots of sojus just so I could go to sleep. And we were super fighting all the time. So he was kind of worried about that. And we decided that, you know, I see a psychiatrist. So just to keep the long story Mm -hmm. short, I did. And I was diagnosed with clinical anxiety due to the work environment. So since then, um, my doctor prescribed that I 
work from home because it's the work environment that's causing my anxiety. I was allowed to work from home a few times a week and the rest I had to file it as leave. So I was also taking medication and that helped a lot. So my condition improved as days went by. That's just a background on how I'm so scared about COVID. So yeah. When you said that you weren't talking, was it because of the anxiety or because you had to physically distance from each other? Because of the anxiety. Like I was just mad at him all the time without any specific reason. I just didn't want to talk to him. I could tell because she would like get mad at me at the littlest things. So how I dealt with it was that I just kept quiet for a time. I, I knew there was something wrong, but I was feeling that she might be able to figure it out after a few days or be able to deal with it as things went along. But then as weeks went by, I it wasn't started, improving. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't improving. It was just getting worse. So I finally confronted her about it. And then it was just at the right time because she said that when I suggested that I think she needed to seek professional help, she said that she did have an appointment already scheduled. So Fortunately, my working conditions uh, since the start of the pandemic has allowed me to work fully from home. So I'm spared having to go through the daily commute, think about how I would get to work, think about how the working conditions are at the office. Uh, well, I work in corporate as well for uh, one of the major beauty brands in market. And I think it's very understanding of them to allow everyone or most of the employees to work from home. So there, I've been working from home ever since. And you live with, or used to live with, yeah. yummy, your parents, your siblings, yeah. nephews and nieces. So all in all, like how many of you we were, were at home? 13 plus our helpers. Wow. Yeah, we were a, a lot, lot of and, people. Yeah, and I have two sisters who work in the medical field. So they really don't have a choice but to go out of the house. So that yeah. was also a risk. And we had three seniors at that time. So the house was really, I mean, there was really so much tension and pressure for everyone to really stay safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So aside from my anxiety, that was also my concern for not wanting to go to the office, you know, just to keep the seniors at home and the kids yeah. safe. Yeah. yeah, the entire household, for sure. Yeah, But there's that, little moment of hope finding out like when RJ mentioned that you had already set an appointment so there's just this acknowledgement that you know what there's a way we can go about this I'm glad you feel better I'm glad things are better now given everything that has happened to you guys yeah yeah but if I can just add so I was taking medication since July and then come January I had to stop it because we found out we were pregnant. It wasn't planned yeah. at all. Huh? Yeah, we were actually <laughs> on, um, yeah, we were focusing on saving, um, up, so can, yeah, uh, saving up so we can have our house built. Because, hello, 13 in the house. We really needed to move. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was really a surprise for us because we're not ready physically, financially, and the situation wasn't... I mean, it's not an ideal time to have another child you know through the whole yeah so (laughs) yeah but still you know every baby is a blessing so we were still happy i mean i Mm -hmm. thought i was gonna cry when i found out but i was actually happy about it and it was god's gift so it's god's plan for us so who are we to you know reject that so 
I had to stop my meds. But since I was still staying at home and since I found out that I was pregnant, I really did not go out at all, not even to the Korean mini mart that we were running. So I thought it was going to have an effect, me stopping the meds, but it didn't. So that was good for us. Unfortunately, there were no withdrawals. Yeah. That's good. And congratulations on that pregnancy and that gift that your whole family received in January. Well, you already mentioned like how you changed your protocols, like you didn't go out at all. But how did the whole family, the whole household of 13 plus adapt to the pregnancy? There was not much change because people really had to go in and out of the house. You know, we've had times when a member of the family would have coughs or colds, but then it was just really coughs and colds. But during those times, everyone like, would get so paranoid. yeah, everyone would get paranoid. We won't eat together. People would wear masks. So stuff like that. So there wasn't really much change. And my family's pretty good with all the safety protocols. With my eldest sister being a doctor, she would really tell us what to do. Not much changed. Well, for me, even before we found out that we were pregnant, I rarely left the house or barely left the house. I only Except I, for I was the one who did the groceries. Well, that was pretty much it. And I don't do groceries. Maybe there were occasional times when I would go on a bike ride by myself. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then there that was, was a point. That was also another. <laughs> there was a point because <laughs> that was like just me time and stress reliever going on really long bike rides, like a hundred plus kilometers and stuff like that. But when we kept having ECQs, we fought over it once. I was like, "Can you not go on bike rides anymore? I don't care who you're with or whatever." But I'm pregnant. At that time, the whole household was already vaccinated. I was the only one and the kids not vaccinated because my OB didn't clear me. At that time, there was no really clear approval yet that pregnant Mm -hmm. men can get vaccinated. So my OB wanted to err on the safe side. And she was telling me, if ever something happens to you because you got vaccinated, there's nothing that she can fall back on because there's no approval yet. So when he would go on his bike ride, there was one time that he went out like 4 a.m. and he came back at 11 a.m. and like, where were you? What are you doing? Yeah, but then I was like, please remember that I'm not vaccinated. So if anything happens, if you carry the virus, I'm going to get affected because I'm not vaccinated. But honestly, you know, I would read stuff that pregnant women getting vaccinated are high risk. Because, you know, it causes preterm labor and all that. But honestly, I was like, I'm pretty healthy. I don't think that's going to happen to me. And if ever I do get the virus, I don't think that I'm going to go into labor early. I said, that's really what I thought. Couldn't happen to us. Yeah, couldn't happen to us. Especially because I'm so scared of this virus. I'm doing everything I can to avoid it. And of all the people in the household, she was the most paranoid about getting it. So she, yeah. was, the, she like, was the most careful. Yeah, like our helpers would ask to go on day offs. And our yaya, we didn't allow. But our other helper, who's under my mom, she allowed her to go. And I really cried. Like, mom, she comes back here. And, you know... I was really crying. And then my mom's like, can you get a hold of yourself? I can't. I'm not taking any medication right now. Just let me, you know, release this emotion and all that. So 
that's how paranoid I was. But you know what happened next. <laughs> you're all doing well today. My name is Kara and just dropping by to let you know that I too have my own podcast. It's called After 30 with Kara Erigel. I talk about love, fear, relationships, career, sex, food, money, books, and how life is so much different and oddly the same after 30. So when you're done listening to this episode, go ahead and check out mine. Again, it's After 30 with Kara Erigel, available wherever you get your podcasts. See you there. Okay. So we were at around 30 weeks pregnant then. And then we mentioned that we had plans of moving out and having a house built for us because obviously we're just staying in one room, me, Yum, and our daughter, daughter Indy. So knowing that we'll be four soon and just sharing one room, we knew that we had to move out because we couldn't fit anymore with all the stuff that we have and with all the other stuff that we're going to have in preparation for having a newborn, then couldn't really fit. Yeah. So we, we couldn't were... even buy baby stuff because we had nowhere to put them. Yeah. So we had to put the plans of building house on hold. But then Yum's family has... Yeah, so my late grandma has an extra house. So one of my aunts told us that we could stay there for the time being until we have our house built which is supposed to be next year. That was our target. There wasn't anyone living in this house for the past four years, so we really had to get it cleaned. I think that was at the start of July, and we were targeting of moving out and moving in by the end of July. So we, I was due to give birth early September. And we thought that moving a month or a few weeks before her due date yeah. would have been too stressful yeah. or very hard for her. So we tried to rush moving by the end of July. So there, um, we were in the process of moving and transferring and having the house clean. That was, I think, around the week of July 7. By the night of July 11, we both had body aches. So, wait, sorry, July 10, I went on a bike ride, a long bike ride. So, that uh-huh. was a, <laughs> so actually, July 10, Saturday evening, I was feeling tired already. I, well, it would be typical because... Right after I had my ride, I had to move stuff, physically yeah, and, and clean the house. And me, at 30 weeks, I decided to clean the floor downstairs, like mop and scrub and all that. So when my body was so painful during the night, I thought it was just because of that. But then the following day, I felt like my throat was hurting, but it didn't push through. I was just having really bad body malay for the next how many same for me days. sunday morning i wake up with a backache and maybe mild headache yeah but i was thinking maybe this is just because of fatigue from all the stuff that we did yeah the day before so that was a sunday so i didn't say anything to her at first oh really yeah i, 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 I was trying know. to hide it <laughs> i didn't like, know this <laughs> you went on a bike ride and stuff like that but you know when i was already feeling the body malay i was telling my friends this isn't covid i'm sure it's not i mean i don't leave the house i didn't go anywhere except for the house that we're moving into 
So I was like, this isn't COVID. This is just because I was really tired, you know, mopping the floor. Yeah. Sunday evening, we were telling each other, I feel so tired and stuff like that. But I didn't say that my body was aching or that I had body aches. We were just tired from all the cleaning that we did. Come Monday morning, we found out that the helpers... Yeah, uh, Some of two helpers. of our helpers also had coughs and colds or uh, headaches. So my sister told them to take music and all that. The next day, it was gone now, whatever they were feeling. That was a Sunday and then Monday. Monday. And then Tuesday, Ariaya was going to go on a half a month long vacation to her province in Mindanao. We didn't want to allow her at first, but then she hasn't gone home ever since we hired her. She hasn't been back to Mindanao to her mom. Yeah. So So we really wanted to allow her and we thought we'll make her go quarantine. Well she comes back. Yeah. But then she had to take an antigen test before the flight. So she did on Tuesday. Then it came out positive. So I was already panicking, but then my sister was like, no, it can be false positive. Like she would send me messages like, you know, in her hospital. Some people really have false positive, blah, blah, blah. She has no symptoms anyway. But then I still asked her to get an RT-PCR to be sure. So that was 24 hours. Wednesday, the RT-PCR result came and it was positive. And I was crying like crazy. So, oh, By the way, when we found out when, when the antigen results came in, Yam and I decided to isolate already, to move to the new house earlier than scheduled yeah. so that we can separate ourselves from the rest of the household. We decided to leave our daughter... With my family, yeah. yeah. Family, and then we, we we stayed or we hold up in the where we were moving to. Yeah. So, so Wednesday. Wednesday, her RT PCR result came out positive. So I wanted to have an RT PCR as well, but my sister wanted us to have an antigen so that the results would come out right, right away. away. So we did, including Illy, and all three of us were positive. positive. So I was crying again like crazy, but then. We already got Illy and we all isolated here to the house that we were moving into. So we had no other symptoms. I think it was just really body malay. Illy didn't have any symptoms. Ariaya at that time didn't have any symptoms also. So we were quite surprised when her tests came out positive. Yeah. She, she was feeling fine. She didn't have any headaches or yeah. any, any body aches. Or, yeah. yeah. So since we didn't have any other symptoms, we really thought, oh, we'll just try this out. I mean, it's really mild, like nothing's happening yeah. and all that. Never thought yeah. you'd be part of that 2%. Yeah, exactly. Moderate yeah, so Umayaya was vaccinated with one dose oh. at that time. So that was a Wednesday. Come Friday, my mom visited us to give some food. And she was like, you have any difficulty breathing? I said, not really. But when I take a deep breath, I end up coughing like something's poking at my throat. But I really didn't think of it as anything. But my mom said, you should tell your OB. So I told my OB and she immediately told me to get an x-ray. So I got an x-ray right away. <laughs> and the results came out pretty fast. An hour later, I think. And I had pneumonia. So I still wasn't panicking. Probably I was in denial. Like nothing bad can happen. It's just pneumonia. People get pneumonia all the time. Especially yeah. during COVID, right? Yeah, during COVID. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I told my OB, she referred me to an infectious disease specialist. And I got an appointment that day. But I was able to talk to her at 9 o'clock 
in the evening. When she saw the x-ray, she immediately said, you should be confined just so we can monitor you. So I was still fine. I wasn't panicking. I'm like, okay, it's just monitoring. Fine, whatever. It was a good thing that they allowed RJ to be with me. She already said that she'd have to be placed in an isolation. Yeah, but since he's also positive, they allowed him to stay stay positive together. So we got to the ER at around 10 in the evening on a Friday, and there were no rooms, but we were next in line. So I was like, okay, we'll get a room in maybe a few hours. But no, we got the room Sunday morning. And during those, yeah, almost two days, it was really the worst because... The ER wasn't so jam-packed. We were lucky enough that we weren't in a tent. Like, we still had air conditioning. But after we came in, like... Yeah, it was, we came in right at the start of... Of the next when, surge. When the ER started to get packed again. Yeah, so the nurses were saying that more and more COVID patients are coming in. So they isolated us in the ER, actually. They separated us since I was pregnant. So an ob room in the ER opened up. Yeah. So they put us there. So at least we had a room all to ourselves where we couldn't... But it was still bad because you really can't sleep while you're there. So we really weren't able to sleep, especially him. He didn't have a bed. I think from between Friday and Sunday, my total sleep was maybe two hours. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a room at Sunday around 4 a.m. So it was a huge relief being moved to our room already. They were giving me the remdesivir, the medicine that you know they usually give to COVID patients. I was going to be given five doses. At that point, I was really worried about how much it would cost. Because you know how people are saying that hospital bills reach up to the millions. So I was really worried. But we do have HMOs. But I wasn't sure at that time if they would cover COVID, right? But they do pala. But I'm not sure at that point up to how much they would. So that was um, yeah, Monday. Monday then. So every day the doctors would come in, ask me how I was feeling. They would check the baby's heartbeat and all that. So Tuesday after lunch, my infectious disease doctor came and asked me, how's your baby? Just to let you know, this guy is really... Uh, he would non-stop move inside my stomach. Like, it was... Painful and annoying already. How she would describe it's that it felt like the guy or the baby was, was clawing his way out. Yeah. So sort of like an or, alien. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Alien so out. yeah. So when the doctor asked me, I realized, uh, yeah, I haven't felt him at all today. But still, I wasn't worried. I was like, uh, maybe he's just not feeling it today. But when I told my OB, she immediately asked me to get an ultrasound and the stress test for babies. What they do is like they give you this button and every time you feel the baby move, you press. So I was feeling the baby. I'm like, why is he suddenly moving? So I would press and all that. But when the actual OB sonologist came and checked the baby, she kept shaking my stomach so that the baby would move. But the baby wasn't moving. And I was already starting to get worried because she was like, your baby's not moving at all. We're already at it for like 30 minutes and he's still not moving. So she ended the ultrasound. And then the next thing I know, an OB resident comes in with a phone and my OB was on the other line. And she was like, Yummy, you have to give birth right now because your baby's not moving. And I was super crying. I'm like, 
you know, what was running through my head is, wait, I'm only 32 weeks and I'm just really not ready. Like, I'm not ready to have this baby right now. But what choice did I have? So I called him. And then after I called him, I called my sister, the doctor. And then when I was about to put down the phone, my sister was like, okay, I'm on my way there. You know, so we were all crying. Take note, we were confined in an isolation room. So we couldn't go out. I couldn't go out even just to go to the pantry to heat food or uh, boil water. So the whole time I was stuck in the room. Fortunately, his relatives and friends sent over some food for us because she was covered by the food that was provided by the hospital. I wasn't because I wasn't technically supposed to be there. Yeah. So it weren't for our friends and family that sent us food. I wouldn't be, have anything to do. We'd be starving. Yeah. Yeah. So there. So we were in an isolation room. I couldn't go out. So the whole time I was there, they take Yum out to have the stress test and all that. So I was feeling positive. I was just going about what I was supposed to do, like maybe heat the food, food that they sent over. So at that time, I was fixing her food and then i get a text from her saying cool no yeah you texted me first you messaged me oh, first okay. answer me all caps oh. answer me all caps sorry oh man i mean then i got nervous then she called me uh she said that we need to give birth right away and then she was going to have a status and then at the time i didn't know how to feel I just said to her that everything will be fine. I told her I love her and I'll see her and the baby real soon. The call was very brief. I think maybe 30 seconds. Yeah, or less. Or yeah. less. And then after she ended the call, I was sort of speechless for a few seconds because I didn't really know what was happening or maybe it hasn't sunk in just yet. I called my mom. Then that was the point where in I told her that I was scared. I didn't know what I should do or what's going to happen. Then I cried. I don't know this. It's in my post. Ah, okay. No, you didn't tell me about like you not knowing what to do and all that. Well, I'm not supposed to tell you that. Okay. <laughs> so I was supposed to act all confident, okay, right? Okay. But then there, I called my mother. I told her that we were going to have the baby already and that I didn't know what to do and what's going to happen next. And then I cried and she cried. Then she said it's also going to be okay, that we'll just get through all of this together. Then I called my mother-in-law and then she said the same thing. And then I called my sister-in-law. Then she said that Yum's eldest sister was already on the way and then I should just wait for her. So there. So it was obviously an emergency CS. It was really fast. Like, I think it was just 20 minutes. Like, everything was just a blur. And they put so much plastic over me. And I had the mask and a face shield and plastic. And I really couldn't breathe. It was so fast that when they showed me the baby, I didn't even see his face. That, <laughs> that he made a sound. That was the only time I saw him. The next time I saw him was two weeks after. Because we weren't allowed to go out the room. We weren't allowed to visit him in the NICU because we were still, we were positive. So that was a Tuesday. That Thursday, I get a call from my sister that my grandmother, who was living with us, passed away. So I didn't know 
want to feel anymore at that point. Like, what am I going to be sad about? I didn't know anymore. So I wasn't even able to mourn my grandmother that well. Yeah. Is there such a thing as mourning well? But I wasn't able to take it in. I wasn't able to absorb it at that time. But my health was getting better. I was on oxygen assist, but after giving birth, I didn't need it anymore. I felt like maybe he was just probably squeezing my lungs. I don't know. But yeah, I didn't need it anymore. So we were discharged on a Saturday. We were supposed to be discharged on a Saturday, but no one could pick us up because it was raining so hard that time. It was the nonstop rain and it was flooded in our area. So my mom couldn't leave to pick us up. So we had to stay another day in the hospital. At that point, we were like, yeah, okay, another day. What's another day in the hospital? <laughs> yeah, so we got discharged and we had to isolate for another week because according to our doctor, for anyone with severe COVID symptoms, you have to quarantine for 21 days. But for everyone's involved, they no longer require a repeat RT-PCR test to confirm that you're negative because it usually turns out positive. For some people, it turns out positive even for three months because you're shedding, shedding dead, dead virus. virus. Yes. But after the quarantine, you're no longer contagious. So we finished another week of quarantine and then we were finally able to visit our baby in the NICU, but only through the window. I mean, the whole time, it was so difficult because ah. we only got updates from the doctors to Viber. Yeah. So we couldn't visit him in the hospital, even if just through the window because we didn't. Yeah, like I didn't even know how he really looked like because all the pictures they were sending us were full of tubes and all that. So you know how you try to not think of things so you don't get worried? That's how I was coping with it. Because if I had to think about how his condition was every minute, I would probably go crazy. So... I wasn't thinking. I would just wait for the doctors to message. I won't even ask them for, like, can you send me updates? He was the one doing that. And he would just let me know what the updates were. So he didn't really have any major issues, thank God. It was just the normal, premature stuff. For the first few days, they had to put him in isolation, neonatal ICU. Yeah. Because they didn't know if he was positive for COVID. Yeah, so they tested him. They were saying he was having some symptoms. He had they, pneumonia. I he had pneumonia right? and like he was expelling some kind of fluid discharge, discharge from his stomach that was uh, not usual in color. So they had him test for COVID twice, but he was also negative. So the main thing that he had to get through was to breathe on his own. So that was the only thing that we were really waiting for, for him to get off oxygen assist and for him to be able to breathe on his own for a long time. Yeah, we didn't mention that he was put on steroids while waiting. Oh, yeah. So the reason why he was okay, sort of, sort of is one, he was a big premature baby. And two, when I was in the ER, sorry, I forgot to mention, I had fever. And when my OB found out, she immediately injected steroids for the baby's lungs. So maybe that's why he was able to recover fast. Yeah, so that's our story. And here we are with a baby who doesn't want to be put down. What a story. And I know. First of all, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah. And you. for you to say you don't even know what to be sad about anymore because it was coming from all fronts. And yeah. I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. But before we continue, I just want to acknowledge 
all the family and friends that you have tuning in and they're yeah. just saying hello to you and supporting you. Hi, I hope you're not for story. Yeah, we really <laughs> the whole time because they would be the ones who would send us food. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, you know, at that time, I turned off the comments on my Instagram story and people would like really message and I just didn't have the energy to reply. Yeah, I was telling RJ, I really can't reply to anyone right now. And it took us also some time to let people know what was happening to us. Only our closest friends and family knew because, you know, you get tired of just explaining over and over again. That's one of the things that I wanted to yeah. avoid at that time. I just wanted to rest. But they were all kind enough and, you know, respectful enough to leave it at that. So Yeah, it's, um again, very inspiring and, yeah, just big acts of bravery also, you know, during a very difficult time. And I'm sure it has strengthened your bond as a couple in so many yeah, ways. Yeah, I'm I sure. How many days? Yeah. Honest, <laughs> I, I don't know how anyone could go through it alone. Yes, I was thinking um, if they didn't allow him to be with me, I wouldn't be able to even pee like i needed him to help me pee i would be so out of breath walking from my bed to the restroom and back and i need to think we were all in the isolation floor so uh, I, I was just imagining that all the other rooms only had one person in it and that i couldn't begin to imagine how that person in the other room was dealing with what yeah. he or she was going through being isolated and you only get to talk to your doctors and the nurses yeah. come in. So, yeah, I was, we were thankful that we were going through it together yeah. and that I, I didn't have to leave her. Yeah, and to all your family, even supporting you from the outside, sending you food so you wouldn't starve. You know, no one could really go through this alone. I hope you don't mind that I just ask about the experience of giving birth because. I mean, you've done it before. You have a beautiful daughter, Illy, but like how different it is. Like you mentioned that you were covered in plastic. And when he was brought out, yeah. he was shown to you, but you couldn't see his face. Yeah. Were you able to touch him even no, at all? I wasn't. It was so fast. It was so brief. I was actually telling RJ, I didn't even feel like I had the sun. You know? Oh, wow. It's like, yeah. I asked her that question, like when we had him already. So I asked her if she felt that. He was my baby already. Does she feel like it's her own. Yeah. He's her own. Yeah. Yeah, but before that, I mean, with Illy, you give birth, you take pictures, the father's there. She never left our side. Yeah, she never left. Yeah. So. Um, but this time, it was so different. It was so, so different. Like, when he came out, I was hearing my Obi saying, cry, baby, please cry, please cry. I was like, he's not crying. He's not crying. You know, it was really scary. Um, and I wouldn't want anyone, any mother to go through that. And the good thing is, too late for me, but the good thing is, um, last August 1, the Philippine Society of Obigaini released a circular or a memo, whatever they call it, you know, allowing pregnant and lactating women to get vaccinated. So now I hope that all OBs would be confident enough to get their pregnant patients vaccinated because vaccination really helps i'm fully vaccinated by the way with sinovac so since june so i guess that's why my symptoms, symptoms were very were mild. Well. wait we forgot to mention that our yaya also had symptoms 
a few eventually, yeah. eventually a few days after we did she had coughs colds and fever but she got through it like in three she, days so she didn't have to be hospitalized. yeah so we really she, was she vaccinated um one, one dose, dose yeah. just one dose all oh, right you yeah. mentioned that earlier yeah so you know it really shows that vaccines work. it helps yeah it it, so it, it makes a big difference even if you do get infected by COVID, it greatly reduces the, the chances of yeah. you having to be hospitalized. Yeah. So we haven't even brought up how much the hospital bill costs, but thankfully we have... It was mostly covered by our HMOs and PhilHealth, but what was not covered was his stay in the NICU. But you know, we don't think of that now. Yeah. We're just so we're just grateful that we're able to... Hi! This is Sanaya, and I'm a well-being junkie. It's true, I admit it. I love everything to do with mind, body, and energy, and I'm constantly on a journey of learning, exploration, and self-discovery. So I created a podcast to talk to experts, influencers, and thought leaders to be inspired by new ideas. So join me on the Project Loving Myself podcast, because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship you have with yourself. You are loved. So how was it like when Simon first came home? So how the first that? time, yeah, the first time we got to visit him in the Niku through the window, I cried. I guess that was the first time I felt that he was my baby. Like, okay, there's my baby. And then he had tubes in him. So, you know, as a mother, you wouldn't want to see your child go through that. All I was thinking was, he's young, he won't remember this. And I'm just so grateful that he got through it because, you know, he's premature. And although the chances of, you know, a 32-weeker surviving is like 95%. I didn't even think of the survival rate. I was just reading. She was thinking of the 5%. No, I wasn't. I was just really thinking. I was like, in my head, I knew he was going to make it. I hear a lot of friends giving birth to premature babies and they all made it. So thank God. He's a fighter. Yeah. And thank God for our, you know, very able medical workers who did all that. And you mentioned when he was in your tummy, he was trying to claw his yeah, way out. Already. Yeah, so I was like, is that why he came out at 32 weeks? But you know, I remember messaging my sisters and I was like, why is this happening to me? I get COVID and then I give birth. Like, why is this happening? All the people who wasn't going out of the house. Why me? And this reminds me, would like to share where we thought we got it? We're not sure. We're Um, not sure, but we were thinking that this is the most possible because we had our house cleaned. So I hired professional cleaners five days before we got our symptoms. And although we did not talk to them like face to face and we were always wearing a mask when we were talking to them at a distance i noticed that they would take off their masks while cleaning the house yeah inside the house so in, yeah yeah the rooms. yeah and right after they cleaned we went inside the house to obviously check and to rearrange some furniture so that could probably be it and, and that's the exposure that i could think yeah. of we're in all four of us were exposed at the same time because our symptoms came out at exactly the same time. So for that to happen, I was thinking, what are the odds that one of us got exposed first then? Yeah, and people are saying the virus lingers in the air, right? So we were thinking that's how we got it. 
they left There's it in the air. That we don't know. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the most frustrating yeah. part. Yeah. We don't know. We never got a call that we were exposed to anyone. I mean, of course. No, and we really me. didn't go out. I, I really didn't, didn't go, go out. out before our symptoms showed. I didn't do groceries. Yeah. Just the biking. I, yeah, just the biking. But yeah, I was all alone. I mean, I was just by myself. And no one was near me all throughout because I mean it's very unsafe to go biking right yeah. any, someone right beside you, right? So yeah, that was the only exposure that I could think of that could explain why our symptoms showed at exactly the right time. But just like any other person who's had the same experience of getting infected, you can't really point to the exact moment when you <laughs> could have possibly gotten the virus because it's an invisible yeah. invader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it chooses no it, one. Like it's not it's not very picky. Like yeah. you can be uh, you know that whole thing like you can, you can be, be the paranoid, most paranoid and right and the most careful person and it can yeah. still creep up. But yeah. so now moving forward, how have you guys been managing your household given you know again new developments and then now that Simon is home as well like well, we're more paranoid now. Eh? Maybe I definitely don't go to the groceries anymore. Yeah. I haven't been out, so I think I've gained a few pounds just from just sitting inside the house. All of our no groceries. Yeah, no biking. Definitely, since we have a newborn too. Yeah, was, I, I was trying to make the most of my time not having... Uh, yeah, baby, we were... So yeah, we were we, to, I was trying to make the most of like the sleep that I would be able to get and the energy that I would have to do physical activities early in the mornings. Yeah, and I was planning to do like some Illy and me time because you know they say that they might get jealous when the new baby comes. Actually, we were also planning to go on a last vacation before giving birth. And just so happened that the day that we were supposed to be on vacation was when was we- it the day I gave birth. <laughs> so oh. not meant to be, yeah. Now I think we're more paranoid, like I mentioned. Uh, I don't go to the grocery anymore. I just have it delivered through purchasing services. RJ, what was surprising to me was when you said that you're even more paranoid now. Because usually after you've contracted COVID, then you have antibodies on top of the vaccination that you've already gotten. So why are you more paranoid? Well, maybe it's because well, it's not for me, but the kids are just for the kids. I mean, yeah. if... If the virus can linger in the air for a few more hours, then they could probably stick your clothes for whenever you go out. We don't know that. We don't know, but... (laughs) That's what being paranoid means. Yeah. So I just want to be more careful. Like, it's not for me, but for for the the kids. kids, It's hard to tell. It's not just that you never know. But even if you take all the precautions, I think the best thing that you can do right now is you just just stay stay at at home. home and not go out. Yeah. Because right, Ro, we hear lots of reports in the news right now that more and more kids are getting the virus and that it's severe. So yeah. that's what really scares me. I'm actually scared to go back to the office. I thought I would get over my anxiety of getting to the office. Oh, I was thinking after I give birth and when I finally get vaccinated, I think I can finally go back to the office. But now with the Delta and with kids contracting the virus, I feel like I'm back to square one. So it's something that I don't want to dwell on right now because it's a few months from now. But 
I feel like it's a problem again that I have to face in a few months. But at least now you can enjoy first the time yeah. that you have with each other, of course, and Simon. Because like two weeks, if I recall correctly, like two weeks of just being apart, that's a three, pretty, three weeks. pretty long time. Three weeks wow. is a pretty long time. Yeah. So yeah, we deal with things like each day, you know, we learn new things each day. And I remember Ro mentioning to me before we hopped on a call with you guys that RJ, you were updating your social media every so often, of course, to inform. And I think that's also very helpful. Like, I'm very appreciative of the people who chronicle their journey. Because you know how sometimes, like, we get all these memos, etc. With jargons, we don't oh, really yeah. like, understand. And yeah. then just to see someone going through it. And, you know, I'm sure there are other people who, who may also have gone through it. You know, And yeah. then that's how you get support. You know, that's how you also yeah. support other people. You give yes. it as well. Yeah, speaking of support, I've actually had some friends message me that they got COVID as well. And I didn't know because, you know, they didn't post. I mean, you don't have to post it on social media, but they didn't. So I was actually surprised and they did give me a lot of words of encouragement and tips on how to recover. So about recovering, if I may share... I had a headache for like a week after I got discharged. We left the hospital on a Sunday. On that Tuesday morning when I woke up, I turned on the TV. I played the K-drama I was watching. I couldn't read the subtitles. Like, do I just have muta in my eyes? So I said, the subtitles are so blurry. Like my headache's worsening because I can't read it. So I thought that I just had to get new glasses. But I was thinking, why? why all of a sudden? overnight i couldn't read so i thought i had to get new glasses and i did i got new glasses and my grade went up so i thought that was gonna solve it but i still had a headache for days even when i was wearing my glasses i felt like things were still out of focus there's like a thin film over my eyes like it just wasn't comfortable in fact like the following week even with my glasses i said why do things seem more blurry even with my glasses so I asked my infectious disease doctor and she told me right away to see an ophthalmologist. She said it's most probably a post-COVID effect because it can affect some of your systems. So that really sucks. You don't know what's going to hit after you get COVID. You yeah, I thought I was through with it. And she said it was probably uveitis, like an inflammation inside your eye. So I had myself checked and... The doctor gave me some steroids, so it's better. So hopefully it's temporary. Yeah, it's better, but I still need my glasses. So I'm like, really? My grade went up overnight just like that? So I don't know. I don't like wearing glasses. It doesn't just end with, with, you, yeah. with you going home. Right? Yes. There's um, a lot that we still don't know about the virus, yeah. and it does have after effects that we don't know mm. could be temporary or more. Yeah. Long term or permanent. Yeah, I have a, But I'm glad yeah. you're okay. Go ahead. Sorry. I have a friend who had COVID and she was saying that she might need lung therapy or she still has a hard time breathing. So it's not over even when you think it's over. Yeah. Going back to the part where you shared and chronicled your story in social media, that's when people started reaching out to you and saying that they too were positive and started sharing tips and resources etc 
well, not everyone's like open about sharing their lives on social media, but for a lot of people as well, there's this stigma, the fear of that stigma of being seen as someone who is positive or was positive. Have you experienced that at all? Or is that fear present? Has the stigma been a concern of yours at all throughout this experience? For me, not really. Yum did mention that people started reaching out to her when they found out she was positive. Then for me, when I was talking to my office mates, I didn't know that most of them already had COVID as well. So we don't really think about the stigma. Maybe because we're all staying at home and not really seeing each other then. But I also think it's because it's a different time now compared to last year when only really a few people had it. Now you're just, I mean, I, I don't wish for anyone to get it, but I feel like you're just waiting for it to get you like yeah. eventually everyone's gonna have it like that's how some people are thinking right now so i think there's no more stigma now if i had it last year i think i would have that sort of fear because people would have it in the office last year and they didn't want to tell people because they didn't want to be labeled as you know someone mm-hmm. who had COVID. but i think it's a different situation uh, right now the amount of cases going yeah. up right now. right downsides to each time, right? Last year, virtually it was safer because there were fewer cases. So there was more stigma. But now the stigma has been reduced because of the rising cases. Yes. So downsides in both times. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you said that suddenly you knew your office mates were positive and friends of yours were positive, I guess it's just really common these days that we just really have yeah. to protect ourselves, keep ourselves strong, keep our health optimized. Get vaccinated. So after all that, if there's anything that you learned or you gained that you would want to convey to our audiences, friends and family, anything that you would want to encourage them, you already said get vaccinated. Is that the key learning that you would like to share after the entire ordeal? Well, maybe an additional would be to trust your doctors. Yeah. Because I don't think this still guy would be here right now if it weren't for our doctors. They guided us through it all and they were the ones who made the decision to give him steroids. I mean, just a few days before and now he's he's okay. They were the ones who decided that Yum should do the CSTAT. So now both of them are okay. He trusted their treatment, the treatment that they gave. And as you can see, they're okay now. Yeah. I mean, let's trust our medical professionals and not... Not the forwarded messages that we get. Not Dr. Google. You know, my doctors would always say that. And I guess from how you shared your story, Yummy, in the early days, you were in denial, even though you're already showing some symptoms. And, you know, I'm grateful that when your mom visited, she was the one who encouraged you to. The thing that I remember was she asked how your breathing was. Yeah. Like you weren't aware that you had difficulty. It was only when she asked that you tried to breathe heavily and then became more aware. So sometimes you could be in denial at the very beginning or sometimes I think it's denial that we have to fight through. Yes. Definitely don't be overconfident. We felt at first that we were very healthy people. Uh, We didn't have comorbidity. So we didn't think that she would get to that point where she would... Yeah, I honestly didn't think that I'll give birth. I was like, oh, I'll get through this. I'm fine. Or that she would have to be hospitalized. Yeah, that's it. Trust your doctors. Trust your doctors. Get vaccinated. Just and even if you get vaccinated... Wear masks, sanitize, alcohol, and... Don't alcohol. go out. Like, 
don't yeah, go yeah, just, just don't go out if you don't have to if it's not for essential purposes just stay at home don't risk it especially if you have other people living with you mm. that aren't vaccinated or don't have access to vaccines or comorbidities definitely just don't go out yeah stay at home be safe don't be afraid to seek help it's so easy to reach out to other people nowadays especially with the social media and ease of communication so don't be afraid to use it if you get sick it's perfectly fine just seek help don't don't keep it to yourself because it's just going to make it worse yeah go ahead sorry Final that's message. thing that i want to share prayers really helped us get through this so if not for mm. your prayers and if not for our lord's grace i don't think we'd be here very important messages for a lot of people to hear. Thank you so much for being the messenger and sharing your story, yeah. sharing such a heavy ordeal and to better inform and to inspire others, if not to protect themselves, but to protect their family members, loved ones, and friends. I'm so glad and grateful that you have now recovered from it, or at least you're past that. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> Stay. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, or you're now in a better place. Yeah. Yeah. Just everything that you guys have said about, you know, being open about needing help, asking for help, and just because you're vaccinated, doesn't mean that you have to be complacent. I know we're all tired. You know, we're all very tired. That sometimes we just wanna not wear masks for a day or just yeah. not feel. You know, you know, that whole thing, like after going out and then you get home, you're like, okay, I have to take a bath right away. And, you know, I mean, we're all tired of that. But the thing is, at this point, helping each other out, supporting each other, holding some kind of space, you know, any kind of space for each other is such a big help. But of course, we have to let other people know if we need space to be held for us as well. So, yeah, here's to better days, better, safer healthier days ahead like for all of you everybody thank you so much for listening to sage conversations if you found some value from our content share your thoughts with us on instagram and facebook and tag us at sage conversations podcast please subscribe and share this podcast with people you know and love every bit will help us grow our circle once again, thank you so much. We love you. And until the next episode, trust your power and light within. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>